Coming up on today's edition of Locked On Eagles, we continue to recap a nerve-wracking win on Sunday between the Eagles and the Colts. 17-16 victory. Stock up, stock down. Who shined and who struggled in that matchup? That's coming up on today's edition of Locked On Eagles. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Welcome in Eagles fans to a Tuesday edition of the show. I'm Louis DiBiase. He's Gino Camilleri. And today's episode of Lockdown Eagles is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKDOWN. That's prizepix.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. You can find the show Monday through Friday on all podcast platforms and on YouTube as well. Uh, Gino, stock up, stock down today, and it's going to be a mixed bag because although the Eagles got the big win on Sunday against the Colts to get to 9-1, and one, it was not easy. It was not perfect. It was sloppy on the offensive side of the ball. But as we said in the show yesterday, in this current environment in the NFC, a win's a win. Absolutely so. And I want to start by saying that I think this time of year, you have to shelter a lot of that outside noise. The noise that, oh, the Eagles haven't beat anybody. Oh, they played Indianapolis close. Well, Well, I want you to know that football is one sport that we have seen upsets of ungodly proportions. We saw Nick Foles beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl, right? You have to just take a win when they come. If you have the hot hand, continue to ride the hot hand. If you have a hot team and a formula that's working, you have to continue to do that and forget about the outside noise. The goal is 1-0 and every week because, as you said, Lou, you're sitting at 9-1. and Minnesota loses yesterday. The yep. Giants lose yesterday. The Giants will be taking on Dallas in just a few short days on Thursday. You have to keep pace in the NFC East. Right now, I think I believe the NFC East has 29 or 30 wins on yeah, the year. Yeah, because Washington's in dead last, and they're 6-5. and five. Every team's above 500. Yep. And the most amount of wins that this division has had in the past five to six years, Lou, I believe is Crazy. 32 or yeah. 33. This season is going to blow out every season that we have seen in the NFC East. So say what you want, that it was, quote-unquote, just the Indianapolis Colts. Well, they got out of there through adversity, in a fourth-quarter comeback, in a way we haven't seen this team win with defense. This is one of those things that we had to see. It's another variable, another factor. Can they come back down late against a team that is going to try and control the ball? They're going to try and run the ball after last week where you had tons of problems defending that exact style of offense to turn around in a quick week in six short days, Lou, to have that performance like they did against – Indianapolis against Jonathan Taylor to defend their run defense, to give your offense a chance late in that game multiple times. That's Mm. what it's going to come down to sometimes. You're not always going to be blowing teams out. You're not always going to have a lead at halftime. You have to figure out a way to win. And the Eagles, they got nine of those sons of a gun. So I'm I'm just taking everyone as they come right now. 
And look, you know, it's not ideal ever to need the final drive to beat a four, five, and one team with a brand new head no. coach that's never coached at the pro or collegiate level for sure. Don't get us wrong. Mm-hmm. Like we want a different style of win the majority of the time in that kind of situation. But as you mentioned, it showed us that this team is very good at adjusting. They got killed on the ground, not this time against one of the best running backs in football in Jonathan Taylor. And it also allowed you to see your quarterback in a new environment, trailing this game offensive personnel failing him, penalties, costly turnovers late in the game for the second week in a row, bad play calling, and to see your quarterback in Jalen Hurts passing the ball and running the ball, putting this team, this offense on his back and elevating them, not only scoring the touchdown early in the fourth quarter to Quez Watkins to put them down three, but then that final drive, Hurts actually coming through with the game-winning rushing touchdown. That is something you wanted to see because in the playoffs, more times than not, What it comes down to is your quarterback making more plays in that situation than the other quarterback. That's exactly exactly how the Eagles won their last championship. Nick Foles had to make one more play than Tom Brady, and that's exactly what he did. And I just I love seeing that cool, calm, collected nature of Jalen. If you honestly, I mean, that's how the Eagles won a title. Nick Foles, fourth and one, they're down by one in their own territory in the second half, and he converts. If you put Jalen in that same kind of environment, I have no doubts that that moment wouldn't be too big for him, that he wouldn't get rattled. And Sunday was another example of that. That's one of those things that when you're watching the film and why we had concerns with Jalen coming out is because you look at the film and you're saying, okay, there are some traits, but I don't know if he could just be a quarterback in the NFL and taking out the outside variables. That really limits your value of him. The one thing that you have to value that you don't get from just watching the film is exactly what you said, Lou. And especially to come off of a reign where Carson Wentz was so up and down in his head. And the one level thing that got them through that end of the year was Nick Foles, a guy who had seen all sorts of adversity, was going to retire for goodness sake. That level headedness as a quarterback I think when you go back and watch the biggest games in history throughout the NFL, it's always that guy that has that look. It's when yeah. you watch soccer and they go to penalty kicks. When you see that look in the guy's or like, eye. Remember that, when Cam Newton in 2015 against the Giants, he just like the Giants scored, Odell Beckham scored, and he just shakes his head like on the sidelines. Oh, like, yep, yeah. All right. Yeah, we're go. going. Exactly. Yeah. That's the type of leader that you want. Somebody that doesn't care. They're not going to get flustered. They're not going to say anything. That's the great thing about Jalen. He's not going to be that guy that's chirping and trying to get people flustered. He's just going to go and do it and say, all right, make me take me down in the open field. Try and tackle me before I gain 30 yards. Try and get to the backfield. Oh, and then I'm going to scramble. And then when I have a clean pocket, I can also dish out some unbelievable throws. And I know there were some questions about Jalen Hurts yesterday. Some people didn't love the way that he threw in that game. I personally did. And I thought his ball placement was great. You know, the only problem was pocket presence to me. Absolutely. The happy feet. The one that yeah. I saw that was brought up was the, the ball to Miles Sanders. People were complaining that it's underthrown. That's a veteran move. If you've seen Aaron Rodgers, how many times that he's done that, where he knows that the defender is stacked by the wide receiver, he has his back turned. You're going to underthrow that ball. So your wide receiver has to come back to the ball. That's and a good that point. is going to go that. right yeah. into him. That's a veteran style move. It might have not been on purpose, but regardless, the result was great. And I see throws from Jalen each and every week that I have not seen in the past. And the one that will not get put up in a highlight reel because it wasn't complete, that ball to Devontae Smith on the sidelines 
is it was as perfect of a ball played. as you could have thrown. And Gino, there was another one too to Devontae Smith on third and 12 early in that game where Hurts mm-hmm. fitted in between three defenders. Right. There were layer throws that he made in that game. I thought his passing performance was fine. Yeah, did they run pretty much every time in that final drive? Sure. But to me, that shouldn't be an indictment of Jalen Hurts. They had no reason to not believe in him in that situation. And again, if they if there was real doubt, you guys know I would say it of anybody, but I thought he threw the ball really well. And in that fourth quarter especially, just through the air and on the ground, he was unreal. 130 total yards in that quarter. He went eight for 11 through the air and the passing touchdown to Quez Watkins. Also had 51 rushing yards on the ground in the go-ahead touchdown to lead the biggest fourth quarter comeback the Eagles have had since 2010, the miracle in the New Meadowlands. That was awesome to see. So stock up to Jalen once again, Gino. This was one of those you win because of Jalen Hurts game. Exactly. This was the MVP performance that you wanted to see. Was he perfect throughout that game? Absolutely not. But the one thing about football is that when that clock hits zero and you have more points than the other team, a win is a win. It doesn't matter how they come, and Jalen Hurts has figured it out. And that question that we had coming out, can he be the guy? I think we just have to go back and look at those big moments and say, what other quarterback in the last – How many years, I mean, you could say Trevor Lawrence, he was there all the time in the playoff and in big moments, but what other quarterback was on that big of a stage that many different times in many different situations in a game where he starts and he gets benched, a game where Tua gets hurt, he goes out and comes back and wins the SEC championship game, goes to Oklahoma, leads them to He's been made for it. We we said it in 2020. I mean, his first start on the road, Against or his second start against the Cardinals, we said one thing Jalen Hurts we know he can do is step up late in the clutch, and we saw that in college. We've now seen it at the NFL level, so I'm very confident if we need that again in the playoffs, Jalen Hurts is that guy. But he wasn't the only guy to carry the Eagles to a win on Sunday. Stock up coming up next right here on Lockdown Eagles, and today's Lockdown Eagles is sponsored by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, and coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. You can even test drive that new electric vehicle to see if it fits in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms and conditions and exclusions, of course, do apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo. Com. And guys, today's episode of Locked On Eagles is also presented by Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Sports. Here's how Daily Fantasy works at Prize Picks: You pick two to five players, and if they're going to score more or less in their Prize Picks projection, you went up to ten times your money on any entry. And the good thing is, there's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projection available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you watch. Of course, the NFL. You can bet on the over for Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith. My guy, Quez Watkins, anybody, the NFL, college football, but also the NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA. You got men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer. You can keep going. Esports, NASCAR, you name it, boxing, MMA, whatever you want to bet on, it's there with prize picks. 
Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals as well. Currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKDOWN. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. Pri- PrizePix will deposit 50 if you put in 50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKDOWN at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. We thank you so much for making Lockdown Eagles your first listen each and every day. Guys, make sure you also check out for your second listen, the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insight only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Gino Camilleri, Lou DiBiase, we are continuing to recap the Eagles' 17-16 to victory at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday against the Colts. Gino, as we mentioned, stock up to Jalen Hurts. But overall, this game was won at the end by your quarterback, but it was mostly won by the defense. Time after time, that offense was failing, and the defense put them on their back. And we got to say stock up first to Howie Roseman's investments in the defensive line. I mean, everybody on the defensive line yesterday stepped up against Jonathan Taylor, the pass rush game as well, late two key sacks at the end of the game. How he just continuing to invest in the trenches really came through in that way. And it's wild to say that Robert Quinn is just getting minimal snaps simply because yeah. how good everybody else was playing around him yesterday in the past couple games. I mean, Josh Sweat is on another planet with how good he has been playing. He was by He's far not the most consistent the pass rusher. Yeah, but dude, he was He's the not best getting pass the sacks, man. But yeah. he is pressuring the quarterback. He threatens those offensive linemen that aren't the best athletes because he simply is a freak of nature at that position. He has length, he has athleticism, he has bend, he continually pressures the pocket. And it's great when you have Hassan Riddick who does the same exact thing, man. He was worth every dollar that they spent on him in free agency. That might even be a bargain deal for what he has done this year so far, Lou. That pass rush position, we've seen how instrumental that upgrade from Jannard Avery. Jannard Avery was playing that position last year to Hassan Riddick has been. And on top of that, you go out and add Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue. And if you just want to see a clip of what they did, Brian Baldinger praised what these two were doing yesterday. They were eating up the interior of that offensive line of the Indianapolis Colts. And you see what Jonathan Gannon wants to do with his defense. I mentioned this on yesterday's show. First down, you want to control the line of scrimmage. You want to hold them to one or two yards on the ground. On second, you want to keep everything in front of you, rally to the football, keep everything underneath. And on third down, let your dogs go be dogs. Let them run. I thought he had a lot of freedom with his defensive backs yesterday, allowed his defensive front to hit home, kind of separated those two units, let the secondary do what they were going to do as opposed to just running zone all across the board where they usually leave a lot of room and a lot of space. There were a couple times that guys got open, but at the end of the day, that's what's going to happen when you play good defense and you're trying to stop the run. Sometimes guys will get behind you in open space, but they did a good a very good job. I mean, outside of the first yeah. drive, Jonathan Taylor with 49 yards, he had 35 the rest 35 of the way. 35 the rest of the way, dude. Yeah. He was a consistent 100-plus yard rusher. 
And they were getting beat by Damian Pierce and Brian Robinson to head into this week and stop one of the elite running backs in the league mm-hmm. was so impressive. I mean, you mentioned it. Ndonik and Sue and Linval Joseph look like they've been playing all year and they haven't played since 2021. I mean, they're, that addition this late in the year to add two former Pro Bowl defensive linemen is just incredible work by Howie Roseman. But it wasn't just them. I mean, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham mentioned it himself. He had the game-winning sack on Matt Ryan to set up fourth and 16 on that final drive. But he even said he was watching Sweat dominate that left tackle with a bull rush all game. So what did Graham do? He pulled the same move and ended up getting a sack. So BG steps up clutch. And speaking of clutch, Hassan Riddick, you mentioned, you know, that sack to force a field goal on the second last drive gave Jalen Hurts a chance. And that's not the only time Riddick has been clutch this year. I mean, you look at the strip sack in the final drive against Jacksonville, even the big play against Houston and coverage on Thursday night football. You know, you look at Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl last year, making that game winning play on Joe Burrow. The Eagles now I feel like have that and they had it with Graham in his prime, of course. But I feel like the Eagles now have another premier pass rusher that when you need to make a play, when it matters most, Hassan Riddick is is one of those guys. Overall, the defensive line just from top to bottom looked great. I mean, even Milton Williams got a sack. That's the thing, and we're not even bringing up Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. And Fletch had a great – I mean, he blew up a couple double teams to stop Taylor. I thought Fletch looked good too. I think the descendants of Fletcher Cox is just completely overblown. Like, I don't think people get what he has to do in that defense, especially on four down fronts. Like, he doesn't have that freedom to just go up and get the quarterback. He has to plug gaps, and he did a pretty good job of that yesterday. Same with Javon Hargrave. And then the key cog of this, Lou, when Jordan Davis comes back, best of luck trying to I defend know, man. That's a six-man defensive tackle man. rotation. I mean, you have then at that point Cox, Hargrave, Davis, Sue. Joseph and Williams rotating through when was the last time a team had a six man rotation on the inside like that? It's an incredible luxury. Interior pressure. We always talk about it. Go back to that Super Bowl. How did the Eagles win? Brandon Graham lined up as a three tech over the guard quarterbacks hate interior pressure. You have a bunch of guys that are forces on the interior. Jonathan Gannon has to continue to utilize them in that way. And I think he did a great job. I think this was the first time that we really saw an identity of what Jonathan Gannon wants to be as a defensive coordinator with this. For sure. Gino, on the offensive side of the football, again, they struggled. I mean, penalties consistently throughout the game. I thought play calling was very suspect, but outside of Jalen Hurts, I really liked what I saw as well from the top receivers of 2021, Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins. Devontae Smith finishes with six catches on the day, 78 yards, led the team. Quez Watkins, two catches, very important two catches though. On third and eight, he moved the chains. And then of course he had that touchdown in the fourth quarter against a Pro Bowl safety to pull the Eagles within three, having those two step up considering Dallas Goddard is out right now, that's crucial, especially Quez, because Smith's going to get his week in and week out. He did even when Goddard was in the lineup. But now that Goddard's out, Watkins is, again, that third go-to guy in this passing game. So to see him not only make plays against the Colts, but bounce back from a huge, crucial mistake against Washington last week in the fourth quarter, a fumble deep down the field to pretty much end the game, to see him bounce back was really big. So I was impressed by both receivers. Smith was cooking on the outside. I look at Devontae Smith and what they did yesterday, and there's one thing that I look at in wide receivers, and it has to do with the player across from them. So during that game, cornerback goes down. They instantly put a new player in. What do they do the very first play that new cornerback, Faison, comes in, Lou? Yeah. Devontae Smith 
go beat them, hit them on a comeback route, and they did that multiple times. When you have that trust that you know your guy can win any one-on-one matchup and you're going to take advantage of stuff like that, you have true trust in that player. And they really do give Devontae Smith the freedom of a veteran wide receiver. You would believe that this kid has been in the league for six to seven years with how smart he is, his positioning, his body control, his awareness, and just everything he does. And Quez Watkins, he finally has put it together and is figuring out his role because he's not the number two anymore. He has to figure out his place within this offense. If he could be a two to three reception, a game type of player, Lou, that's all you're going to ask from him. That's what we wanted from him and Pascal. Can you guys get us five to six receptions in these games in pivotal spots? Pascal got you out of the one jam when you hit him on the sift route. They ended up covering that up later in the game. But situationally, they've allowed their wide receivers and their playmakers, guys that they have brought in in different ways, the draft, free agency, to play a role, they're finding that role for them. That's what they have to figure out with this offense moving forward. What is going to be the role for the guys that aren't Devontae Smith and aren't A.J. Brown? Right. Because right now, it's it's auditions. Like, let's figure out what's going to work the next four or so weeks because you have yeah. to after that performance yesterday. And I think Quez Watkins has done nothing but – prove that he can be that guy last year and when he's gotten chances this year. So I feel very confident in Watkins and Pascal when their number is called. Gino, in that win, 17-16, to 16, it was sloppy for sure. So we got to get into stock down coming up next right here on Locked on Eagles. This episode of Locked on Eagles is brought to you by our friends over at BetOnline.net, the official sportsbook of the Locked on Eagles and the entire Locked On Podcast Network. They have been with us ride or die for quite some time now. And there's a reason we wouldn't just allow them to be the official sports book if they weren't the best sports book out there. You go to betonline.net, you can bet countless player props on every given game. We bet our LOE three every single week. We pick six player props. Lou's doing better than I am, but we only do it at betonline.net. Grab your phone or grab your laptop, go to betonline.net. .net today. You can bet on anything. It's World Cup season. You can bet on football. You can bet on hockey, basketball, anything you can imagine. Go to betonline.net, the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network. BetOnline is where the game starts. I'm Louis DiBiase. He's Gino Camilleri. We thank you so much for tuning in to a Tuesday edition of Lockdown Eagles. It's stock up, stock down. After the Eagles' nail-biting win on Sunday, 17-16 over the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, stock up to Jalen Hurts. The entire defensive line, Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins. But, Gino, this really was not a perfect game. I mean, on defense, it was pretty flawless. But on the offensive side of the ball, there were a lot of issues. Penalties, costly turnovers late. But I thought overall, too, the head the most head-scratching thing of that game was the play calling. I just – I mean, some of the times, like, when they decided to run heavy despite Jalen Hurts throwing the ball well, who they were giving the ball to, and, you know, Boston Scott late in the game, Kenneth Gainwell in these crucial situations, they were using a lot of, like, tight end-heavy packages despite Dallas Goddard being out. I, I don't know. I just – it was a weird day for Shane Steichen. The 13 personnel – really was one of those things that drove me absolutely insane. Especially like, because, I mean, no four receiver sets, man. Why are you playing those tight ends so much? <laughs> and it was a giveaway. I mean, none of these guys are receiving threats, right? You bring in three right. of these players, you are screaming, we are running the football. Jackson played defense. 81% of the snaps. That's insane. That, that should never be the equation, especially yeah. when you have 
four wide receivers who you can consistently throw out there. And why are you not utilizing Kenny Gainwell in any way or splitting Boston Scott out outside? Like utilize these guys in those matchups. I thought that coming into this game, yeah, you're going to have one-on-one situations where you're going to win consistently. But at the same time, Indianapolis, they have a solid defense. I mean, Stephon Gilmore is still playing at a very high rate. Safeties, Rodney McLeod. I mean, we know exactly what that guy can do. McLeod and Moore are good players. Yeah, exactly. And their defensive front, they held you to, to basically nothing all game long. You had to do something. You had to mix things up. It didn't seem like they added a ton of motion into their play calling. It didn't seem like they were trying to win those matchups. The one time they do where they move A.J. Brown back down to the formation and then they have him go on that crossing route, they end up calling a screen off of that instead of just hitting the wide open A.J. Brown. Yeah. They're trying. They're overthinking it when it comes to the play calling, right? Like the last drive, they're like, Okay, who outside of giving the ball to Boston Scott after Miles Sanders ran it three straight or three great times? Yeah, put it in the hands of your playmakers. Put it in your hands of Jalen Hurts. Let Miles Sanders run. Even right. if AJ fumbles it, he's going to make up for that. Don't give Kenny Gainwell huge situational calls. Don't give Boston Scott huge situational calls. Don't rely on the tight ends that aren't Dallas Goddard. It's one of those things that you have to prove me wrong so I can be right the next time I call. Well, these guys haven't proved you right. They haven't given you a reason to call their number. Yeah, Boston Scott has been great in the past, and Kenny Gainwell, he's pretty good running between the tackles. But, yeah, maybe on first down, maybe on second down, when when the game's on the line, it's third down. I'm putting my dogs out there. I'm putting my guys I know that can pick up those yards. Right. And I'm glad that they did that at that fourth down call in the red zone, and they finally allowed Jalen Hurts another quarterback draw. Stick with that. Don't overcomplicate it just players, it not weird. plays. Right. And, you know, like when they, if running the football is what is necessary, if it's what is working, I mean, against Jacksonville, uh, that week five or week four matchup, I was all for turning into a run heavy team. The passing game was not working and it was a tough environment. But in this game, as you mentioned, the Colts defense was stopping Miles Sanders. And I thought they were throwing the ball really well. I, I saw Ben Solak and there were some other, you know, people kind of talking about how oh, the Eagles didn't really trust Jalen Hurts to throw the ball late in the game. But I thought that was crazy. First off, I don't know if that's true. And even if it was, that's totally unwarranted considering I thought, again, Hurts was the only thing that was really working consistently in that football game. So yeah, just overall, it's just a weird day for the play calling. So hopefully now without Dallas Goddard, they're two weeks in, they can kind of see what worked and what didn't and adjust. And as we saw the defense adjusted beautifully against the run. So I I think that's why I'm not like freaking out about these last two weeks on offense, because Gina, we've had eight examples of how good they can be and only two examples of these issues. So until it becomes a real consistent trend, I still believe that they'll bounce back. Right. That's one of those things that you believe they would correct. And I believe I mentioned this yesterday that now you have another week to prepare. You're coming off a short week. I mean, you played Monday night football and then you had to turn around You play Sunday. But now you have two performances that you can lean on and say, "Okay, a lot of those things didn't go right. How can we get better? Do we have to go back to some of those tendencies that we were doing towards the middle of the season? Do we have to scrap some things completely? Do we just have to? Let Jalen Cook, I mean, that's what you're going to have to figure out. What is going to work for this offense when Dallas Goddard isn't there and maybe somebody else gets injured down the line? You have to be prepared. And it comes to your play caller 
understanding situationally what is going on with his offense against that defense. I thought Steichen, he was great first seven weeks. Last two have been skeptical. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully they'll bounce back. Jonathan Gannon did this week against Indy. Hopefully Steichen bounces back next week, Sunday night, against the Green Bay Packers. You know, just overall stock down to the offense as a whole. Again, penalties got to clean up. Um, you know, that was definitely a problem. A.J. Brown cannot fumble in that kind of situation. That's two weeks in a row now. You're driving, trailing late in the fourth quarter, and a receiver gives up the ball. Just got to clean up those mistakes. But as as we've said, the Eagles, this Eagles team has shown us more times than not that they clean up mistakes and they're, they're a very mistake-free unit. So, again, I'm still going to believe more that the eight, the first eight weeks of the year is the real team, not these last two weeks. So, you know, we'll see what happens. The analogy I always use is can you drive a boat that has a hole in it? Yeah, you yeah. can. But do you want to? No. And that's what the Eagles have had to paddle against. They've been swimming upstream in this boat with a hole in it the last two weeks. Week one against Washington, they weren't so lucky. They didn't get out of it. The second time around, they were able to deal with that adversity and found a way out. But when you're going against Green Bay in a pivotal matchup against a team that has had your number, man, you got to get things right, get them on track. Yep. This is a week where you really have to self-scout. The Doug Peterson famous quote, we got to self-scout, seriously. You have to go into that room and figure out what we are doing For wrong, sure. what is going to correct it, and how we can play 60 complete minutes of disciplined football. Because this Eagles team, if they want to take that next step, there's a lot of teams that are average. There's a lot of teams that have been good. How do you get to that great step? Yep. Well, not inflicting self-inflicted wounds is a good way to get there. You can find our podcast, Locked on Eagles, Monday through Friday on all podcast platforms. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter at Locked on Birds, at DBLCLOE, and at GC24 underscore football. We'll be back for a Wednesday edition of the show. Thank you so much for making Locked on Eagles your first listen each and every day. Make sure you also check out for your second listen, the Locked on Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. For Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for watching and listening. And let's go, birds. Fly, Eagles, fly.